Welcome to She Persisted. I'm your host, Sadie Sutton. Every Friday, I post interviews about mental health, dialectical behavioral therapy, and teenage life. These episodes break down my mental health journey, teach skills to help you cope with life, and showcase testimonials from individuals, including teens just like you. Whether you've struggled yourself or just want to improve your mental fitness, this podcast is your inspiration to live a life you love and keep persisting. This week on She Persisted. This sounds so simple and like fundamental, but just taking some time to slow down and just breathe and reminding yourself that everyone else is going through the same things and we're all struggling with certain things and it's okay to struggle. This week's DBT scale is going to be the what and how skills from the mindfulness module. The mindfulness skills from DBT are one of my favorite ways to practice self-care, self-love, and improve my self-confidence. So the what and how skills are two acronyms. The first one is NEO and that stands for non-judgmentally, effectively, and one mindfully. And the what skills, the acronym there is POD, participate, observe, describe. So the what skills are what you're doing when you're being mindful. You're observing your thoughts, you're observing your emotions, your behaviors, what's going on around you, what can you hear, what can you see, etc. You are then describing what you are seeing, hearing, feeling, thinking, etc. And you are fully participating in the moment. So you are sitting with your thoughts. You are breathing in and out. You are not thinking about what is happening tomorrow or what happened last week. You are fully participating, doing one thing at a time. And while you are participating, observing, and describing, the way that you are doing that, how you are doing that is non-judgmentally. You are not adding good or bad or judgment words. You are just stating what happened. So for example, if you're feeling self-conscious and a thought goes through your head like, I don't like this about myself. You would say, I notice I am feeling self-conscious right now. I just had the thought that I don't like this certain thing about myself. Or you would label the thing that you don't like about yourself without attaching a positive or negative words, emotions to it. You are observing and describing in a non-judgmental manner. Like I just touched on, you are doing this one mindfully, one thing at a time. You are fully present in the moment. And lastly, you are being effective. You are being as skillful as possible. This one I don't feel is as applicable to mindfulness when you're practicing it through a self-care perspective. I feel like it comes into play a lot more when you're interacting with others, but you are being as skillful as possible. You are being effective. So maybe that means giving yourself some more affirmations. Maybe that means really focus on not attaching positive or negative judgments. Maybe that means doing a little bit more self-care and distraction after this mindfulness process if it brings up a lot of emotions. You are being skillful, effective, for what you know works for you in the situation. So that is the DBT mindfulness, what and how skills. What you're doing is participating, observing, and describing, and how you're doing that is non-judgmentally, effectively, and one mindfully. So with that extra skill in your toolbox, let's dive into it. Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of She Persisted. If you are new, welcome. I'm so excited you're here. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. We have a lot of fun content coming in 2022, and I can't wait. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. Today, I have a great episode for you with Paige Tons. She is a girl athlete mindset mentor, so we dive into everything student-athlete mental health, increasing confidence, improving self-talk, building relationships with people that encourage you to grow and improve, finding mentors, just so many things that are relevant to so many teenage girls out there. This is going to be a quick intro 
complete transparency, I am halfway through watching Girl Interrupted right now because it's based on the mental hospital that I went to. It's about McLean Hospital. At the time that this book was written, it was called Claremont. Um, now it's called McLean, and I'm kind of toying around with the idea of doing a podcast episode or some kind of something, some kind of content where I compare like what's accurate and what's not because there's like a good amount of things that kind of carry on and a good amount of things that are just like so out of practice. Um, if you're not familiar with the movie, it's about this girl who goes to McLean or Claremont. She's struggling with suicidality. She gets a um, borderline personality disorder diagnosis, and it kind of chronicles her, adventures is not the right word, but it chronicles her life in the hospital. At least that's where I've gotten to in the movie. I'm like halfway done right now. It's based on a book. The author did actually stay at McLean Hospital. She wrote about her experiences. It was turned into a movie, right? So her stay was a very long time ago. I'm throwing around words. I want to say it's the 60s. Yeah, it is the 60s. Oh my gosh, I'm so on it, guys. Um, So it's about her stay at McLean in the 1960s. I was at McLean in 2018. So a world of a difference between her stay and my stay and how much mental health care has changed, evolved, become more humane. The practices are different. It's so much more based in evidence-based treatments now. But there's little, little things I'm noticing like mouth checks and the tunnels that they do their walks in. We did our walks in. So it's really interesting. Let me know if you guys want me to do an episode because I think that could be really fun, interesting segment. Other things happening this week, I am doing rush. I am mentally exhausted. I had seven Zooms the first day plus two other meetings. I had five Zooms today. Things are crazy. I start school tomorrow morning and then I'm going back to Philly on Sunday. So very busy day. I will keep this intro short and sweet so I can go to sleep and be ready to wake up tomorrow morning. So today's guest is Paige Tons. She grew up in Arizona and played softball since she was eight years old. She ended up playing D1 at Northwestern. And after she wrapped up playing softball, she became a girls mindset mentor and she coaches thousands of girls, especially athletes in her programs and workshops, helping them dream bigger, set goals, improve self-confidence, all amazing things. So if you guys want to check out Paige's work after this episode, her Instagram is at Paige Tons. Her website is the same thing, pagetons.com. So it will all be linked in today's show notes, but I hope you enjoy this episode. And without further ado, let's dive in. Thank you so much for joining me, Paige. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast and I can't wait to dive into this conversation. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So I wanted to start by hearing your story um, and talking about how you got into working with teenagers, working with girls now. So tell me a little bit about you. Yeah, so I grew up as an athlete and was just really involved with sports. And you'll probably hear me talk about softball a little Mm -hmm. bit because that was kind of like my main thing. I played club and travel softball. As I went through my journey playing and went into, I ended up playing college at Northwestern, playing softball there as well. Something that I struggled with was the mental side of the game. And I didn't quite realize it while I was in the thick of it, or there wasn't like such a a big emphasis um, on it as I feel like it's getting bigger and more, there's so much more awareness around it now, which is amazing. But I probably would have just told you like, I don't know, like I just 
don't always like believe in myself or I have like self-doubt or really, really afraid of making mistakes or failing. And I was like the worst at failing. (laughs) Like (laughs) it felt like the world was ending anytime I failed or made a mistake or messed up Mm -hmm. and just wasn't great at learning from it. Yeah. But didn't quite realize that until like actually not even really my senior year, but it, my senior year is when things shifted for me um, in college, senior year of college. And I think it was more like this feeling of, okay, I only have a year left to play this sport that I love, that I worked so hard at. And like, I'm, I don't, I, I didn't have any plans on playing any like sort of professional or people go overseas and stuff yeah. after I didn't have any plans to do that. I was like, kind of ready to move on to like, you know, what comes next in life and becoming an adult and all of those things. But I was like, so I had limited time. I was like, so I'm kind of tired of being like frustrated and angry with like not living up to my expectations or what I feel like other people's expectations were me. So I kind of went out in my senior year with this like attitude or mindset of you know, whatever happens, happens. Like, I'm going to just give it my all. I'm going to do my best mm-hmm. and I'm going to put it all out there and whatever happens, happens. And that finally like allowed me to just like breathe yeah. and just released so much pressure that I was putting on myself. So a lot of the stuff was like, a lot of it's all like self-inflicted. I think of course, like being an athlete, there's a lot of pressures from, you know, coaches and outside perspectives and things like that but I feel like a lot of it came from myself and all of a sudden I started playing great I was doing amazing I like doubled my batting average tripled my the amount of at-bats that I got which just meant like more playing time and I was like having fun doing it and so once I graduated and we'll skip like the fun like limbo of (laughs) not really knowing what the heck I was doing after Mm -hmm. school (laughs) that's a whole nother story but um (laughs) kind of figured I got to a point where I was like I really want to help girls in this like self-development space like learning this mental side of the game and using mental training skills and mindset work to really just like enjoy being an athlete and be more successful and getting out of their own ways and building more confidence and believing in themselves. So I had this idea and I started working with girls one-on-one and that led to working with girls in groups. And now I have a program and it's just been amazing to be able to work with lots of preteens and teen athletes. They just happen to be girls. I work with girls specifically. So yeah. No, I, I really relate a lot to what you said at the beginning about how you didn't even realize that your your thought process and how you were like interacting with your environment wasn't how it had to be. Mm-hmm. Like that was the exact same thing for me with my core belief systems and with feeling depressed and, and really just being in a, in a position of suffering. I was like, this is just the norm. This is how it's always going to be. And because it's like mm-hmm. our own experiences and we've had them for so long, you don't even think like, oh, it could be different. Like I could make this different yeah. for myself. This isn't how I have to interact with, with, with a sport or with it within my relationships or with school. And so I think that's such a universal experience and something I really relate to. It's yeah. So when we touched base before this recording, we talked about a couple different things that we want to cover that 
are relevant to both student athletes and teenagers in general that are navigating the ups and downs of teenage life and all the different challenges you experience. So the first thing I really want to dive into is what you just touched on, which is like letting go of expectations, results, and outcomes. And I think this is true whether you're playing a sport, whether it's with grades and school. It's so relevant right now to the college application process. I remember mm-hmm. having like really strong attachment to outcomes with my mental health and with my treatment journey. So I kind of want to dive into that and talk about the process there, what you can do, why we have expectations for certain outcomes and, and how we can shift that experience. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, like, it's so hard because there's like, it's funny. I was like, we're working with one of my girls and I was like, what if you just didn't have any expectations? And that feels like so weird and scary. Like, especially for a lot, like a lot of us that are like overachievers and we want success and we want a lot out of ourselves. It's like, what? No expectations. It's like having no control over my life, having no plans. Crazy. (laughs) Right. And so I, I, I was like, okay, we'll back it up since that's totally freaking you out. And you're like, I, I need to have like mm-hmm. some sort of expectations. I had a conversation with her about, well, what if it's like you shifted what your expectations were? Yeah. So rather than focusing on the like results-based expectations, looking at like process-based expectations or basically like things that you can control, like as an athlete, it's like going into a game and thinking, okay, my expectations are that I'm going to be like the loudest, like the most communicative leader out there. Like I am going to make sure like I am always picking my teammates up. Like that's a big focus or one of my expectations is just like really solid, like quality at bats or quality this or quality that rather than I want to go, I want to hit, you know, three for five and have this batting average or this statistic. Cause I think, especially in sports, we get in, we get so wrapped up in like the statistics mm-hmm. and what those results are. And those don't always define like how we actually played that day, just shifting our expectations to rather than like the results and the statistics to the things that we can actually do. And I, and I think I, I get caught up into it as like a normal human, human being and business owner. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, like, okay, I want to have this many people in my program. And like, I don't technically don't really have control over any of those things. I have control over like who I'm, how much I'm reaching out to people or getting gritty with that or sending personal messages or making sure that I'm showing up on my Instagram story. But like just shifting those expectations to be something, things that we can control rather than the results and the outcomes. Because I think when we only focus on those results and those outcomes and we don't hit them, it's like that expectation hangover that we feel It's like, oh my gosh, I didn't hit that goal. And I'm like the worst person ever. Like I'm never going to get there. And that's like when all that negative, like self-talk or just beating ourselves up kind of goes into place, I guess. Absolutely. I think I was listening to a podcast recently. It was the Skinny Confidential, and it was one of the episodes with Ed Milet. And he was talking about how we're so attached to these outcomes, whether it's, again, like a certain score or a certain number, these really tangible things, because we think it'll impact how we feel. Like we think if we get to this certain goal, whether like it's if we think through like the podcast, a certain number of downloads, a certain number of followers, a certain number of episodes, we'll feel 
fulfilled or pride or or happy and that's not necessarily the case like say you get there you reach the dream number of downloads you reach the dream number of followers but you haven't invested in the experience and how you're feeling and getting to that emotional point like that's why would this external tangible thing get you to that that mental health perspective? And I think that's so true with what you're talking about with sports as well. Mm-hmm. You think you get to a certain amount of points or you get to this certain goal, it'll automatically change your outlook, your mood and your your belief systems. But that's not the case if you don't do the work internally. And I think it's mm-hmm. we forget that we forget to focus on the experience and the emotions that are tied to things and how strong of a role that plays rather than just the the external tangible goals that we hit and I think that's a society thing as well like we are very yeah. focused on on checking these certain boxes and like graduating and getting into college and getting a job and having these external forms of success but if you don't do the emotional work if you're not internally working towards what those goals are going to get you you're you're mm-hmm. left with nothing and then once you get to that point you're like well, what do I do now you're just completely yeah. overwhelmed. You don't know what to do because you're in the yeah. exact same spot. And I think that's something that it takes a long time to realize. And I think is super prevalent in teens as well. Totally. I was actually just talking to a girl who wants to be a teacher and we were just talking about schooling and like growth and fixed mindset kind of stuff. And I am, I'm so glad that schools are starting to go that to teach the growth mindset and what yeah. that looks like, just because I feel like like even looking back at my college experience, I went to an, an incredible college and there's times I'm like, wait, like, I, I mean, yes, I learned, I like in the grand scheme of things and I feel like <laughs> graduated a while ago now, but in the grand scheme of things, yes, I probably learned a ton of things, but I look back and I'm like, what did I even learn? in yeah. like some of these classes and I like took these tests and, you know, wrote these papers, but did I really like even learn anything? Like, and I think too, like when we fail, like I remember my freshman year, like, I think I like failed my econ test Mm -hmm. and like, all I wanted to do was just pass. Like I didn't care if I really understood the material or like what it meant to me or any of those things. I was just like, oh my gosh, just please let me pass or Mm -hmm. else like I'm a failure kind of thing. And I think that- That's what we're told. It's like, that is the messaging. Like it's called, you're failing a test. It's not like, oh, you got a 60 on a test. Like the the narrative there and the language is like you failed the test and so it's like there's no like shortcoming on you if like you have those beliefs tied there because that's the messaging that we've received throughout the entire school system and and through our society and it's so common to have that that experience Mm -hmm. yeah totally i think i heard one time there they're like okay if you get like a 40 percent on a test it's like instead of saying you failed it, just being like, well, at least I knew 40% of the information. Now I got to figure out how to learn like the other, you know, 50 to 60% of it Mm -hmm. um, and actually learn instead of just trying to pass a test. I feel like that's like, that happens all the time in classes. Like, okay, let's just figure out what do I need to pass the test Um, instead of actually absorbing and learning and growing in these classes. A hundred percent. No, it's probably really like in the thick of it right now. Oh my God. Totally. No, it's, it's so funny because like, even when you're in the classroom and you listen to the questions that people asking, it's like, oh, is that on the test? Like, do I need to know that? Like, okay. Yeah. Like we get that you're teaching this, but like, do we need to know that? And it's just that that's how the, the curriculum is built. And I think this was true at public school. This is, was true in high school and middle school. It's like, 
your your grade a lot of the time is predominantly made up of these test scores it's not made up and that's the way we test what you've learned but again like it's not always an accurate reflection of what you learned it's also complicated and there's not like a straightforward answer but it's so true you're just checking those boxes and it's it's very stressful it does terrible things for your mental health to be navigating that and have all of that pressure in these extremely high achieving environments in college surrounded by people who are just as motivated and have the same fear of failing that you do and so it's it's you you need the self-compassion you need to be able to shift that narrative internally and understand that okay even if you get like literally a 12 percent on the test it doesn't change your worth as a person it's it's a narrative that you have to rewrite for yourself and it really does help with your mental health and navigating the situation because when you look back at this from five years from now like like you just talked about you don't remember Mm -hmm. that test or what was on it or it's not impacting your life now like we think it will but in the grand scheme of things it doesn't so I think another huge part of of shifting this narrative around success versus failure is the people that you're around. When you're in really high achieving environments and there can be that really toxic narrative of comparing grades or comparing performance. This week's episode is brought to you by Magic Mind. If you don't already know, I'm starting my spring semester at Penn. I have more classes. The workload is really ramping up. So Magic Mind is an essential in my routine and my toolkit. Magic Mind is a productivity drink with all natural ingredients like adaptogens to help decrease stress, nootropics to boost blood flow and cognition, and matcha to keep you focused. So it comes in this little bottle. It has the cutest packaging. Picture like a little wellness shot or a juice shot. That's what it looks like. You can keep them refrigerated or at room temperature. What I do is I drink one in the morning with my cup of coffee and it helps me focus for the rest of the day. It doesn't taste like those green powders or drops that you might add to your drink, Because they add honey for sweetener, you don't have that like bitter experience. It tastes good and you drink it with your cup of coffee to increase the effectiveness of the caffeine, the energy boost, and really focus in on the tasks that you have to do for the day. So if you are a student or a busy individual who wants to improve their productivity, decrease procrastination, brain fog, and fatigue, add Magic Mind into your morning routine. It's a super simple addition with profound effects. So what you're going to do is you're going to go to magicmind.co slash persisted. That's M-A-G-I-C-M-I-N-D dot co slash persisted and use code persisted for 20% off. Again, that's code persisted for 20% off Magic Mind. So I want to talk about surrounding yourself by people that that believe in you and that support you mm-hmm. and are helpful to your mental health rather than being like a really toxic competitive um environment which which can be really difficult to navigate yeah totally so I have like a really I just have this this like memory in this story that always sticks out when I think about this and being on a team as an athlete sometimes you 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 can't control all the time who you're surrounded by right like you know, maybe it's like your professor classmates or like, like you don't really have a choice at some points unless they're like in your own free spare time or could be family. Sometimes we don't have a choice, but especially as an athlete on a team, you know, you have these teammates and you might not like love every single one of them or might not be best friends with every single one of them. And there are times when there are like those, those people that, 
I don't want to call them like toxic, but maybe they just like complain a lot or they're really negative. They're not or... energizing you. It's like not a positive yeah. experience for <laughs> you like to interact with Sucking them. the energy out of everything or com- like anytime you go to practice and someone's like, oh, I can't believe we're doing this again today. It's like, oh, like, well, like, you know, well, is just that like, helping? <laughs> I want a different attitude about it. And I... I had this experience where I I didn't have a a car. So I was driving with some other, getting a ride with some other teammates. And I just remember they were like constantly being super negative and complaining about like coaching and practices and the time commitment and like all these things. (laughs) At like one point, like I was getting so Mm -hmm. tired of it. I was like, you're like like, tuck and roll out of the car I gotta get out of this situation yeah Yeah, I was like I gotta get out of here but I think at one point I finally was just like okay if you guys are gonna keep doing this like either I'm not riding with you guys anymore or you can stop like Mm -hmm. (laughs) pick one of the two because I'm so over and I ended up actually just just shifting who I I got a ride with Mm -hmm. and I just I had to choose my like myself and my energy and like protecting my energy my motivation and just like myself in that situation rather than continuing to let it like drain me and be negative because if I continue to be around that it was just going to pull me further and further down but I, I just it's so amazing what happens when you surround yourself with people that believe in you and encourage you and support you and even challenge you at times as well when you feel like you need a little challenge. I, after I graduated, I joined a CrossFit gym and I feel like people hear this all the time where you're like the CrossFit yeah. cult, but honestly, it was like the absolute best thing that has ever happened to me because I was just surrounded and it maybe it was just my specific gym that I got to go mm-hmm. to. I got really lucky or I was really blessed, but I was just surrounded by a lot of people that were just motivated to be better and just showed up every day. And we're, it's in like a pretty encouraging environment. And like the more that I got to know those people, I got like my first job from one of those, per- those people. I uh, actually met my now husband oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. there and, um, like my, one of my, my biggest business mentors I met there. And it's just like so many good, positive things come from when you surround yourself with people that just like want more out of life and want more for you too, and and cheer you on along the way. And that's been like huge for, for my journey. And then I always encourage my girls and like, just really pay attention to who you're surrounding yourself with, especially in your own time with like who do your, how do your friends make you feel? Like, like what kind of, do they believe in you or what, you know, the adults that you're around and things like that. So mm-hmm. that's just been a really big piece that uh, has been helpful for me. And then also the girls that I get to mentor. Yeah, no, I, I was, as you were saying that I was going to ask, I was like, okay, so like where are good places to try and connect with these people that are uplifting your energy? And then I was like, wait a minute, if you're looking internally and you're like, okay, where am I showing up as my best self? 
that's where you'll connect with other people that are showing up as their best selves in that way. Like I know for me, sometimes I'll be like in a classroom and I'll just be like, have like really low energy. Like obviously I'm not showing up as my best self. Like I wouldn't want to connect with me in that situation. Like that's not a good environment for someone else. Whereas with the podcast, it's somewhere where I'm very passionate and motivated and people are also showing up in that same way. So I think that's another huge thing. It's like there are different ways that you might like generically like, oh, okay, like people really like running. I feel like that's one where a lot of people come together but if you hate running and you try and go and connect with like-minded people that are like motivated and positive like it's just not gonna work so it's like where do you show up as your best self where are you energized and passionate and having a good mindset going there and then looking for other people do you think that with attitudes and mindsets and possibility and people that you connect with are you in the stance of like you get like a first impression and you're like nope this isn't gonna work out like there's no gel there are you more like okay you like continue to work and grow the relationship what's your kind of perspective there with surrounding yourself with people that are are uplifting to you I think that's a that's a really good question I think that I have like an initial like gut instinct or reaction or I'm like drawn to that person based off of like their actions and like I know this sounds so like cheesy but like when it comes to social media like I'm like drawn to certain people and you know whether or not it's like them being authentic or not we kind of figure out as you like continue to get to know the person but I just feel like like I found mentors or connected with people because I can just like feel their energy through their social media and social media has like a unique way of allowing that to happen through their platform. But I think I, I kind of lean towards like, it's kind of like a gut instinct, a gut reaction. And maybe I should think about that a little bit more and give people a little bit more time to like grow that relationship because I'm probably missing things <laughs> that, and, and really great people that maybe I wouldn't put enough like time and effort into, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. I Yes and no, but I also feel like you have that initial like energy that you can connect with people. Like yeah. obviously maybe someone's having an off day. So like you continue to, to kind of be open to a relationship. But I think like when you really gel with someone, like obviously you're going to want it invest in that relationship more than someone that you just like had a terrible interaction with right so I think there's a lot of like wisdom there and I think that's really true um so when you were talking about your story you talked about self-doubt and insecurity may not be the best word but kind of Mm -hmm. talking about fear of failure and perfectionism um and so I want to talk about when you're struggling with self-doubt and how you kind of shifted that into confidence and how people can do that because I think this is one of the biggest things that teens struggle with we we see this is statistics we know how much teens struggle with self-esteem and feeling good about themselves in so many different aspects of life whether it's body image or school or sports all these different kinds of things so what are your tips there because I think it's so intertwined with expectations and also your community all of these things are connected so let's dive into that for sure so something that I wish that I would have done more is really I mean like I definitely noticed when there was more successful like teammates or more successful athletes or students like you notice like you're like oh I wish I could be like her or wish I was you know performing like that or you know getting the the statistics that she's getting like why like why am I not like that 
like we all notice those people that are doing really well, but what I didn't do was I didn't ask them like what was creating that for them. Like, and like asking them, like, how, how are you feeling so confident? Like when you go up to batter, how are you feeling so confident when you're preparing for a test? Like just starting to ask questions of like, how are they getting that success or how are they feeling so good about something or how are they believing in themselves? And it, I mean, I think it feels weird or like, oh, they're going to think we're so stupid or or something. And I think that happens a lot with girls, teens, preteens is we think that if we ask questions, like we're going to look dumb. Yeah. But I always tell these girls, I'm like, you have to ask questions because it is the shortcut in life. If you're asking questions from the people that are like doing it, they're successful, they're doing the things that you want to do, then you are going to get this, you are going to get insight from somebody that's already made the mistakes or already um, figured out what does work or what doesn't work. And of course, everyone's, you know, different and certain Mm -hmm. things are going to work for certain people. But I just wish that I would have like picked people's brains more, which is something that I feel like I do a lot now. Um, anytime, like, like the social media thing, I'm like, Oh, like that girl's crushing it. Or like that girl, like, I love what she's doing. Or, um, like, how did she get there? I will literally like, I have no shame in ask, like reaching out to people on Instagram, even people that I don't know, and just asking them to connect. And if I can just pick their brain a little bit and find out, you know, how they got to where they're they are usually people want to help like they love talking like we love talking about ourselves and sharing you know (laughs) how we've got to where we are and laughing about oh like this thing really didn't work so like try this instead like people love to give advice and help and if someone says no or doesn't have the time or just doesn't respond like just move on to the next person it's usually not a personal thing it's honestly usually like a time thing or they're just busy so no it goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the episode where we're so focused on the outcome and our expectations that we Mm -hmm. really lose the emphasis on the process the internal experience how people get there and I think that's just such a common thread and that's tied to your relationships your relationships are a huge part in getting to that end goal and having a positive emotional experience throughout and the same thing with your inner dialogue and your self-doubt and so it's just it's all connected it's it's crazy what is your advice for teen athletes um, and and student athletes who are struggling um, with feeling that balance, that that control, that ownership of navigating the situation? They're like, I'm overwhelmed. I'm feeling like I'm struggling with this. I'm not feeling confident. What is your advice to someone who's in that hut space right now? Mm, that's a really good, good question. So I think like my first piece of advice is to like seek that help, reach out to someone that, you know, a lot of student athletes in college, they ha- we, they have access to sports psychologists and, and people. I wish that I would have taken advantage of those opportunities a lot more in college. So people that can help you in that space, I would say like starting to reach out to those people or mentors that you could see, or even if it's like a senior, or like an older player, like reaching out for help or asking them like, you know, how did you get through this? Like, this is so overwhelming. There's so much to do. Or, um, like I know freshman, like that early freshman year feels 
insane. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're getting all these things thrown at you and trying to figure it out. So I think reaching out for help, but I also think just simple, like this sounds so simple and like fundamental, but just taking some time to slow down and just breathe and reminding yourself that everyone else is going through the same things and we're all struggling with certain things and it's okay to struggle. And I think it's just that it's, it's really learning that self-awareness of like what you're telling yourself and what you're thinking about. Because if you continue to tell yourself, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed, then we're going to constantly feel overwhelmed. You're almost manifesting it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that self starting to really work and shift, you know, how you're thinking about your situation or yourself and having like better and not only it doesn't only have to be positive self-talk like it doesn't have to be like cheesy positive self-talk but just like telling yourself different things or seeing stuff something in a different perspective I think that that's like one of the biggest things and even like girls that go through my program even if they didn't learn anything they have so much like such better self-awareness of what they think about themselves what they're saying what they're thinking about and knowing like, okay, like I probably shouldn't be like constantly thinking about this or Mm -hmm. like saying these things. So what do I do now? (laughs) So at least they get to that point and have that, like that self-awareness and then do a lot of work on like shifting those thoughts and having that, that better self-talk. Yeah. And the the awareness is the first part of change. Like if you're not aware of I don't want to say problem, but if you're not aware that something doesn't feel good to you or you're not aware that you want to shift something, no change is going to occur. Like, you mean, like, maybe it's possible if something accidentally shifts, but, like, the awareness really is that first piece, and it's so powerful, and that was just such a common thread throughout my mental health journey. I want to talk Mm -hmm. about what your favorite resources are for improving confidence, improving self-talk for teenage girls, because I think that you can you can have these conversations. You can hear, okay, like I got to I got to shift my narrative. I got to ask for help. But that can be really daunting. So whether Mm -hmm. it's books, podcasts, people to follow on social media, a habit you can implement, what do you recommend? Yeah, definitely. So I, you know, I think that a lot of there's not a lot of. I mean, maybe there's, I don't know. I just, I feel like a lot of my girls don't listen to podcasts and Mm -hmm. things like that, but it's something that I wish that I would have done or listened to more audibles. I think that when we're like, oh, like we have to, like in school, we're reading so much, we're doing so much homework, you know, to read another book, but just to like get on audible and start listening to some different like self-development and leadership and just looking around and finding some things. I mean, I definitely have like a list of like mm-hmm. audibles and books and things that I think are super helpful. I want to hear them. Um, Give me like your three favorites. Oh, so I really love, oh my gosh, I'm like the worst about titles and authors. Amber Ray, she has, a, she, uh, what, what is it called? Choose Wonder Over Worry. See, mm-hmm. it was like on the, this one is so good. This is like my favorite I think this is one of my favorite books of all time. It like, I have so many tags in here <laughs> of, and just highlights and things because it has like some, it has lots of journal prompts and stuff. So I think like that one's a really great one. She's coming out with another one. I have it pre-ordered already. Podcasts for girls and teens. I would say some of my, I mean, 
some of my, my favorite ones are like more business. Yeah. More business-y. Yeah. But I would say like, like one of my friends has a really great one and it's called alpha girl confidence. And they're really like short, quick, easy to digest tips and mental training skills. And then my, I have a couple of other friends who they mentor girls. They don't have to be athletes or anything. Just it's called girls mentorship and they have a podcast and theirs is really great as well. So I think, I think theirs is just called girls mentorship podcast. So those are a couple of ones that I would suggest for girls, but I would say this book is so good. Choose wonder or worry. I think we tend to worry a lot and that's when like the doubts and the fears and all these and she talks a lot about how to shift that and like Mm -hmm. I just felt like it really resonated for me as like an overachiever which is what I think a lot of the girls that I I see and I work with they like they want a lot out of themselves and they want more but they get in their own way yeah yeah. Um, so that one's really good with the journal prompts in them Mm-hmm. And then of course, like shameless plug, I have a, a tool, mm-hmm. um, a freebie, which is a self-talk practice. So it's just like a, kind of like a video series of learning um, about how important self-talk is, how to start shifting that. And then it comes with like some iPhone, like wallpapers and some fun things like a <clears throat> poster affirmations po- poster mm-hmm. in there. So it's kind of like a fun little few things to start thinking about what you're what you're thinking about (laughs) I love it what are the most common concerns worries fears challenges that girls are coming to you with it with is it like struggling with relationships is it more internal is it again wanting to like achieve those external goals what are the things you're constantly hearing that teens are like I need support with this Mm. um I I think one of the the biggest things is getting moving past mistakes, moving past failures and getting over those things, whether it's on the field or court, or if it's in school or, you know, at home and, or things like that, especially as like they get into the college recruiting and college admissions, like they're like, Hey, like I'm sending, you know, emails to coaches or I'm, you know, applying and I'm not getting in. And they just, they feel like it, it's like so personal and like that. I mean, how can you not have that narrative? Like you Mm -hmm. are showing someone all the best parts of yourself to possibly, and a lot of the times get rejected. Like it, Mm -hmm. it it feels personal. And I know like it's like not personal. There's so much more that goes into it. Like there's so much that's at play, but it's really hard to get out of that mindset because it really, really does feel personal because you're sharing so much about yourself and the decision is like being made about you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, the same thing for mistakes is like, they think that, you know, people are going to make fun of them or think differently about them. If you don't get into this school or you make a mistake on the field and it's, it's just, it's really figuring out and working with them on shifting the way they think about it and seeing failure. I think for so long, we, we think like failure is bad, failure is bad, failure is bad. And starting to have like shift our minds to this concept that, okay, failure is just like a stepping stone, right? It's just one, one more thing that's going to help me learn. It's going to help me get better for the next opportunity in front of me and once they start to figure that out they like a lot like they finally like a lot like allow themselves to release like that that like beating themselves up feeling Mm -hmm. 
What is one thing that listeners can do within the next couple of days, weeks to see or start to experience like a shift in their their confidence, their their inner monologue, their kind of interactions within their their lived experiences? Yeah, I think one of the, the greatest things is to just write down your thoughts. And that seems really broad, but like when you're having negative or frustrated or like overwhelmed thoughts, like just write them down. Like it's almost like venting to the paper and like, okay, really not like feeling this or I don't feel motivated. And like, I can never sit down and get my homework done. And it takes me like hours and hours and I'm wasting time. I don't know. I'm like Mm -hmm. totally making up all these thoughts. (laughs) Um, Like just getting them down and just noticing, okay, like, are these just thoughts or are they facts and figuring out, okay, how can I, how can I like, like, how can I see this differently or how can I look at this in a, in a more positive perspective? So maybe it's like, you know, we write down, like, I feel like I'm going to fail this algebra test Mm -hmm. in the next couple of days. It's like, instead thinking about, okay, well, I have, you know, a few more days to, to really work on like what I need to know or learn the material better or ask for help. Like I have, like, I can use my resources to feel more confident in the test rather than being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. I'm going to fail. So just like writing them down and just starting to notice, okay, like I'm having those negative thoughts. They're happening. And then it, the, the hard part is figuring out what to do with them and yeah. shifting those. But that that comes with practice and just writing down those positive reinforcements or affirmations or new beliefs that you need. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. So if listeners want to continue to engage with your content, work with you, tell me where they can find you different ways to, to continue to work on their confidence and, and their inner monologue and all of that. Yeah, definitely. And that kind of what I just shared, like what's something that they can do in the next couple Mm -hmm. of days, that self-talk practice, the free self-talk practice that I have is a great like guide for that. And it'll really help their like practice writing down new affirmations. And it's like uncomfortable at first writing like nice things Mm -hmm. about yourself and it feels weird, but it gets them start to practice and think about that. So they can um, find that on my website, which is just pagetons.com, exactly how my name is spelled. And then I hang out a lot on Instagram. (laughs) I'm on there with stories and tips and inspiration and, you know, testimonials from my girls for like hope and looking at like what, you know, if they do, you know, start to work on their mindset or focus on their mindset, like what could happen there and and showing them like the, what is possible. So I think those are like the two main, main places that they would get a lot of resources and value from. I love that. I I just think it's so important the gift that you can give yourself when you start to invest in your mindset and your your inner monologue and your your confidence and your self-esteem as a teenager. 
It's like one of the mm-hmm. hardest points in your life. And I think it's a kind of universal experience that that's when you're you're struggling with the most with those internal thoughts, with your self-esteem, with how you feel about yourself. And yet, mm-hmm. if you can conquer those feelings, those thoughts, those beliefs at that point, like you are set no matter what you're experiencing throughout college, throughout later on in life, like you have the tools in your toolbox to be able to handle those challenges with grace and with ease because you've done it before. And I think it's just to be able to invest in that early on is so powerful and so helpful. And I, I, I can't recommend it a lot enough. So I absolutely love that you're doing that with teens. That just reminded me of like, even though, like, even those negative thoughts that come up or like self doubt or self, like you're, you're not having like a lot of self worth for like about, I don't even know how to like say that not, you don't have a lot of self worth Mm -hmm. or those things like it, that's okay. Like, yeah, that's, like those thoughts and those things are totally normal. And that's one of the things I always want my girls to know that I'm working with is like, it's okay to have negative thoughts. And by the way, they're not going away. Like that's just you like trying to figure out how to get better. And it, it just means that you care. So just knowing, even like if you write down those negative thoughts and those fears or doubts or whatever they are, like those are normal and those are totally okay. It's just figuring out how to shift them so that you can like live your, your, in your purpose and be your best, the best version of you and enjoy the process and things like that. So I just was absolutely. No, I completely agree. It's really about being able, like you're always going to experience them. You're always going to have low moments and, and struggle with these things, but it's being able to navigate them and work through them without like letting them control you and dictate everything in your life. And so again, it's, it's a, an amazing gift and tool that you can give yourself and it's applicable to so many situations and just so, so important. Well, Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad we got to sit down and have this conversation. And yeah, thank you. Thank you for allowing me to just talk about all the mental stuff. It's always so fun to hang out and talk about this stuff. I I completely agree. Well, awesome. In case you skipped the end, Paige and I talk about shifting your expectations to be process-based rather than things that you can't control. We talk about expectation hangover, we talk about test and performance anxiety, and the difference between truly learning versus just trying to pass a test or get through a benchmark. We talk about the importance of asking for help to those that you look up to for advice and insight. We talk all about improving self-confidence, self-talk, Paige's favorite resources for teens that are looking to improve both their confidence and self-talk, and so much more. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please share it with a friend or family member who you think would enjoy it. Make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe wherever you're listening, and for more bonus content information, my Instagram is at ShePersistedPodcast. If you tag me in a story of you listening, I'll repost it and give you a little shout out. And my website is ShePersistedPodcast.com. Thanks for listening and I will see you next week.